especially good to see each other the last two weeks, to be able to get together and to engage each other at least. We're smiling at each other, I think, <laughs> but we can see our eyes and see our faces and appreciate being together. And for that, we are grateful to God. As we prayed, we're thankful for our shepherds, for the work that they are doing in a difficult time, but we're thankful for those who are here in the building and for those who are in the parking lot. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 20 to a text that is likely familiar to many of you as we begin a study this morning on the blessing of giving by looking at Acts chapter 20, verse 35, also looking at its context and then trying to make a handful of observations this morning. The book of Acts is mostly black letters, and for those of us who are familiar with the Bible, we know what we mean by that, that in the New Testament, in most Bibles, that when Jesus is speaking, it's red letters, but there is the majority of the time where it's black because it's either Paul writing or it's Luke speaking or whoever the case may be. Well, in Acts chapter 20, in a sea of black, if you have a Bible that has the red letter edition, you'll notice that in verse 35 that it says, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, quote, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I want to look at that concept this morning because I thought that was an interesting concept to ponder. Because as we'll note at the conclusion of our study today, that that is contrary to the way the world views giving. I mean, the fact is, is the more we keep, the more we get, right? But Jesus says it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. I want to start by looking at the broader text. And if you'd like to take the time to read the entire chapter, at least the half of the chapter that we're focusing on today, I encourage you to do so. But you recall here that Paul is speaking to the elders from Ephesus, and he's giving them counsel, giving them advice, and giving them spiritual wisdom from which they can work in their future. Paul reflects on his past fellowship with them in verse 19 and 20, where he says, I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house. I'm sharing with you everything that I've known. I'm giving you all the wisdom and all the spiritual guidance that I can provide at this time. Paul says, our time and my time on earth is drawing to a close. He says, indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. And then, in verse 28, Paul tells these elders in a verse that we are very familiar with. Oftentimes, when we talk about the work of elders in a local church, we go to verse 28. Take heed to the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Paul then prepares to close by pointing out that his work was not for financial gain. And then he finishes with the words of Jesus where he says in verse 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So the question that I want to ask this morning and answer in a handful of observations is why is this the case? Why is it more blessed to give than it is to receive? I mean, we understand that fundamentally why that is the case, 
But why is that truly the case? I want to look at a handful of reasons why giving is such a good thing. And I know that I'm speaking to a group of people who already understand the importance of giving. We are a very giving congregation, whether that be of our financial means or whether that be of our talents, whether that be of our time, whether it be of our attention to others. But let me suggest to you four or five reasons why giving is such a good thing. Number one, giving is a good thing because it models the behavior of our earliest disciples and brothers and sisters in Christ. We pattern ourselves after the early saints in many different ways. We do so in the way that we worship. In fact, the reason that we partake of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week is because we are patterning ourselves after the early disciples who did so in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, and of course following the example of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and the outline of Jesus in Matthew chapter 26. But look, if you would, in Acts chapter 2, and then in Acts chapter 4, I want to look at two passages here while sticking in the book of Acts, because the same is true in how we give. I want to go to Acts chapter 2 in verse 44. Now, these are some of the earliest days of the church, as you recall, and Peter has just finished this great sermon. Uh, a number of them responded by being baptized. And then in verse 44, it says, All who believed were together and had all things in common, selling their possessions and goods and dividing them among all as anyone had need. So the earliest action of the earliest disciples, of the earliest Christians, was to be men and women who were given. Then if you just jump over a page or two in your Bibles, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 32, it says the multitude of those who believed were of, here it is again, one heart. They had all things in common, one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Drop down to verse 35 where knowing what it was that was lacking among some members, they laid their proceeds their financial uh, welfare, laid them at the feet of the apostles, and they distributed to each as everyone had a need. Verse 37, having land, they sold it, and they brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is something that we model ourselves after today. Giving is a good thing because the earliest disciples did so. And while the first century needs were different than our own, the principle is still the same. Simply put, we live in the most prosperous country in the world. Even in spite of a financial downturn and high unemployment and low productivity, we are still more blessed than virtually everybody in the world. But we still have the responsibility of doing good unto, God, doing good unto others. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, by the way, is not a suggestion where we have opportunity to do good unto all, especially to those who are the household of faith. I'm reminded of the story of the shoes, where a woman who in a congregation knew of another woman who was really struggling with paying for shoes, and her shoes were falling apart. They were in pieces, and the sole was separating from the rest of the shoe. Next Sunday morning in her spot, because everyone has their spot, at least up until recently, 
<laughs> We're getting used to that. But put a pair of shoes in her spot, left it there for her. She had opportunity to do good, had opportunity to go to Walmart and spend $20, $25 for a pair of shoes and got her something. That is doing good unto others. That's what early disciples did, and that's why we should do it as well. Let me suggest additionally that one of the reasons why Jesus says it is more blessed to give than it is to receive is because God is a giver, and God was a giver. He gave and he gives. We are to conduct ourselves like our Father and work to look more like him each day that we live. That includes in the way that we give. I want to look at two passages, one of which you may say, why are we even opening there? Because I've memorized John 3.16. But go ahead and open to John 3.16. Pretend this is the first time you've ever read John 3.16, where the Bible records these words, For God so loved the world. How much did God love the world? That he gave, there's the key word, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a beautiful verse. There's a reason why it's the most memorized verse in all the Bible. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then in James chapter 1 and verse 17, a verse that we are not as familiar with, but as good Bible students you are likely familiar with, the Bible records for us that every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So my question would be, based on these two passages and in the totality of everything else that we read in Scripture, how is it that God gave? The fact of the matter is, is God gave liberally, He gave generously, and He gave selflessly. That is the same way that we are to give today. We are to pattern ourselves after Him. Jesus says in Acts chapter 20, in one of the few places that the apostles go back and they quote Jesus in the history of the early church in that book of conversions that David Creech has been doing a great job of leading us through. He says, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Let me suggest thirdly that giving is such a good thing because giving is actually a key part of evangelism. We know that we are to teach others. Matthew chapter 28 tells us that. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 2 says that we are to commit these things to faithful men who can then commit them to others. But I want to look at a passage in Matthew chapter 6 that we don't typically associate with either evangelism in a global sense or in a personal sense. Matthew chapter 6 is, is a favorite part of the Bible. It's right in the middle of that great sermon on the mountaintop. And in Matthew chapter 6, I want to read the first four verses where the Bible says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men, so as to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. That woman with the shoes understood this, and so she didn't advertise, Hey, I'm giving this pair of shoes to the needy woman. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed... Don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may glorify or that they may have glory from men. 
Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees a secret will reward you openly. Incidentally, that phrase, reward you openly, is used on three different occasions in this line of thought that Jesus is presenting. The fact is, is Jesus isn't prohibiting us doing good deeds or showing charity to others. He's not doing that. In fact, they are encouraged to, to be done by us. But what he is doing is teaching that they're to be done for his glory. Such deeds, he says in this occasion, are opportunities for example setting. So when you do good for others, it is not just doing good. It is setting an example for others. It may be that others may not see you in the immediate context, but others will know about it. I have a feeling that the woman who left the shoes on the pew never thought that she'd be used in sermons all across the country. But I use that illustration because it's so simple, so easy, but it made such an impact and made such a difference. And that teaches others. Let me suggest, fourthly, that giving is a good thing, and giving is such that it's more blessed to give than receive, because that's what faithful churches do. Faithful churches give. If you would, consider the example of the church at Philippi from 2,000 years ago. Open, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to read four or five verses here rather quickly. And then I want us to look at a phrase or two in the text. In Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, Paul says, Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now the Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the thing sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. There's two phrases that I thought were really interesting in those few verses. One of them is that you shared in my distress. Paul was a preacher who had distress. In fact, from the very beginning of his public work in preaching the gospel, he was in a state of distress up until really virtually the end of his life. You go through and you read about the account of being shipwrecked and the account of being left for dead and the account of being beaten, stoned, and all the different things. And then the other phrase that is used here is he says, you sent aid, you sent me help, you sent me a financial contribution. This is one of the key reasons that we are commanded to give as well, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. And of course, we understand that as Paul writes to the church at Corinth, that we are to give in a cheerful manner. 
I mean, I hope it won't be the case that as we're departing today and as the baskets are to our right or to our left, that someone won't have to pry the money out of your hand. But that's not the way that we are, is it? We give with generosity. We give with liberal uh, mindset. We give selflessly. And we give because we want to. Whether that be the contribution on the Lord's Day or it be something later this week where you have the opportunity to help a brother or a sister in Christ in some particular way. That then leads me to a final observation, and that is giving is a good thing. It is more blessed to give than receive because giving leads to reaping. Now, if we could have sound effects... If we could have lights go on and off to get your attention, I'd do that right now because the fact of the matter is, is there's a word of caution. This is not to say that the gospel of prosperity, which some preachers teach, is actually correct and to suggest that they have it right because they don't. I've always said that for every dollar you give, that's one less dollar you have. Now, that took a lot of thinking for me to come up with. <laughs> but for every dollar you give, some in the world would say, well, that's going to come back to you in some way. Well, that may not be the case. These early disciples were selling off property, giving the proceeds to the apostles selflessly, and then as a result, had less as a result of what they gave. But consider, if you would, the principle that is taught in Scripture by going to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We referenced that just a moment or so ago, but I want to read just a few verses here before we prepare to close out this morning. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, parts of this are very familiar. In verse 6, he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes, verse 7, in his heart. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, verse 9, He has dispersed abroad, He has given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Now notice then verses 10 through the end of the chapter. May he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for your liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, because saints have needs, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God, while through the proof of this ministry they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men and by the prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. There are lots of key words and I'm not going to go back through and highlight all those words or ask you to underline them, but liberality, supplies, needs, liberal, those are all words that are used to describe the nature of the way that we give because giving leads to reaping. And remember, 
in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, that this is true of treasure and time and talent. If you go back and read that particular text, you'll see that that is certainly the case. As I begin, so I close, that the world's perspective of this is much different than the Christian's perspective. That when we choose to give, we do so because we know it's the right thing to do and because we get something out of it. It actually makes us, God actually has engineered us that when we give of our time or we give of our talent or we give of our treasure, that we actually, we feel good about that. And that's a good thing. God wants us to be giving people. But from the perspective of the world, giving is costly. They say, well, for every dollar that I've got to give, that's a dollar that I don't get to keep in my bank account. Because the more I give, the less I have. But that certainly wasn't the attitude of the early saints whom we're patterning ourselves after. And that certainly wasn't the attitude of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to, in every aspect of our lives, commit ourselves to being like the Savior, to being like those early disciples, and to being like those who are constantly about his business. I'm convinced that I'm speaking to a group of people who are either listening in the parking lot or those who are here in this assembly who already understand the importance of giving. But as we give today, this week, and the rest of this year and the rest of our lives, let us be men and women who say, you know what? Jesus knew what he was talking about. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. For all of the reasons that are outlined in Scripture, for all the things that are told to us in God's Word, the blessing of giving. And as we're going to sing in just a moment, give your life to God today. That is the greatest gift that you can provide. The greatest gift that you can give to others, the greatest gift that you can give to the Lord is by sacrificing yourself to Him. If we can help you this morning to become a Christian by being baptized, having repented of your sins, confessing Jesus as the Son of God, we would welcome that opportunity to do so. If as a child of God you're not living correctly and you'd like to make some sort of correction, whether it be by coming forward today or perhaps by letting us know privately, we're happy to pray for you and to pray with you. We would love the opportunity for you to give yourself entirely and wholly to God. And if we can help in any way, let us know. Let's stand and sing at this time.